Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Today's film is a 70s horror thriller thing from 1976 entitled Alice Sweet Alice. Indeed. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that this one made your list. Well, I didn't pick it. MovieBot picked it. Well, I'm a little bit surprised that this movie was in MovieBot. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know. I don't know how it got there. But, um, you know, every time I see recommendations, I think, all right, I'll put that on the list. And I did. Yeah. This was right up my alley because, you know, I love that thriller aspect of horror movies and uh, I do think there's an element of horror to it much like the movie we watched last year The Bad Seed from 1956 indeed it really like delves into the idea of what if your child is dangerous what if your kid could hurt you. Okay, so when we were watching this movie, I started hopping online and I'm like, something's going on here. And I googled and googled and googled. And first of all, what I learned is that there's a remake of The Bad Seed made for the Lifetime Network in the 80s or 90s <laughs> or maybe 2000s, I don't know, starring Rob Lowe. So oh, really? That would be fun. Yeah. But what I was trying to find out was, is this intentionally a remake of The Bad Seed. And it appears to think that it's an original movie. But the the big thing in this movie is the landlord guy who is exactly the same character as the gardener in The Bad Seed. The guy oh, who... Oh, I see what you're talking about. He's totally knows she's evil and he's onto her and he is really nasty to like, her. Weirdly and aggressive versa. with her. Yeah. yeah. Everything about it. It's weird. Yeah. There were a lot of... A lot of parallels between these two. I'm honestly surprised that even if it wasn't intentional, which seems yeah. unlikely, um, <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't come up in discussion. Yeah. I mean, the plot is different, but it's so related. It's weird. It's not. I mean, it is. There are fundamental differences. It is a very different story, but it's also not that different. <laughs> no, it's the same idea that you know, this little girl is evil and whatever. Although... We, we want to talk spoilers. This little girl is definitely evil, but she's not the killer. No, that was an interesting twist. I think and, that was well done. But yeah, she was she was not a nice person. Did she do anything? Did she actually do anything? Or was it just that she was like, played mean pranks and said nasty things? Well, I think she didn't do anything overtly super bad, but... I think it was like all the hallmarks of a psychopath. Like she was yes. well on her way to becoming it. And at the end of the movie, she picked up the knife that was used to kill the priest and was like, oh, so you stick it in necks. I see. Yeah, she definitely did not take the right lessons away from everything yeah. that was happening. And another parallel that I was just realizing is that they are also both, they both live in apartment buildings. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. And that, I mean, I just, I thought of that because one of the more interesting aspects of this movie to me was that it was like a moment, like peeking into the life of a 1970s Catholic family living in a big city. Like, you know, that was, it was, it was one of those like fourth floor walk up kind of things with the, you know, big spiral staircase going up the center of the apartment building. Perfect place to throw somebody off. (laughs) Right. Which, you know, is, I think there was a time when that was a really common setting for stories to take place. That kind of inner city, normal families live this way kind of thing. And it struck me that we don't see those stories very often anymore. The only stories we see coming out of the cities are like urban stories. Yeah. I'm using major air quotes (laughs) there, you know? Yeah, it's just... It's kind of a hidden thing. There's there's also there's like two sides. There's the the projects and then there's the ultra elite penthouse made of entirely glass. Right, but there's none of that in between. Uh-huh. And I wonder if that's just at first I was thinking, "Oh, that's just an interesting like shift in storytelling, like whose stories are considered interesting?" Because there was yeah. definitely a time in America that that middle class story was the thing, right? Well, and I feel like these days it's the ultra top class that is all we ever hear about. Like White Lotus showed up and then Nine Perfect Strangers, yes. which is White Lotus. Yes. And I don't know. It's just like every show, like Arrested Development. It's always, ooh, what's it like when these super rich people are dealing with X, Y, or Z? And it's like, well, let's peek into their lives. And who cares? <laughs> well, and there's, I mean, I think the who cares is we're still being sold the idea that being ultra rich and becoming a millionaire is the American dream. Yeah. And at the same time, most Americans have not experienced, again, heavy air quotes, the American dream. <laughs> so when we hear about those that you know, those upper class families in stories, we want them to suffer. You know, it's like fun. I mean, even think about knives out. Yeah. Think about even the Umbrella Academy comes to mind because they were raised by a super wealthy guy yeah, and they were miserable. And that's what makes them interesting is that they are miserable. Yeah. That's always kind of the story is that the woe is me. I was raised so rich that I don't know how to be sociable. Right. It's tragic. Right. We had so much money that my parents didn't have to love me. Like, (laughs) which is. You know, it's a thing. I don't want to invalidate that. <laughs> no, it's it is definitely a trauma that people experience. But yeah, it's it's interesting that that has become like this prevalent story, which then makes me wonder, have we lost that middle class story because we are losing our middle class? Those people don't exist anymore. Yeah, it's totally divided from just bottom to top with nothing in between now. Because can you imagine a single mom... With two daughters living in that, like, that was a nice, large apartment in a clean building. The super was creepy, but, like, (laughs) it was was a nice part of town. he was not clean for some reason. He was filthy. That was weird. It felt like, that felt like fat shaming massively. Like, really strangely extreme. Okay, so one of the notes that I made, actually, about that character was, is this character... Just really deeply complexly written, which would be amazing. Or 
is he just super stereotypical in terms of fat shaming and homophobia? Yeah. I like, mean, I couldn't I mean, tell. It kind of felt like this is a deviant. This is a gross thing. Yes. You don't want to be around this guy. Yes. But at the same time, there were so many interesting things about him. Like, he mm-hmm. was such a completely drawn out character with his kittens and his, oh, like, his kittens. Like, there were just so many things about him where I'm like, this character has been thoroughly imagined. Yeah. He was not a cardboard character. There's a lot going on with that guy. But then he was also, like, a fat slob, which seems stereotypical, and a sexual deviant coded vaguely as gay. Yeah. It's like in in all the Disney movies, how the villain is always coded gay, but definitely they never talk about it, but it's the the implication. The lisp or the speech patterns Uh or the the body language and all of that, which again is like... In one sense, things like this person has a lisp is a way of making them a whole person. But when it's this kind of person or or this quality is always matched with this other quality, then it becomes a problem. And I really... It's a stereotype. Yeah. And I mean, I guess so it was kind of both in this case. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's what they were doing. They were like, let's make a... A gross guy and but what's interesting about that is he wasn't the villain he was unpleasant but like everyone but the little girl kind of was cool with him like they weren't friendly with him but they were like okay he's he's down there he's doing his thing everyone except the little girl and the housekeeper from the directory because she killed him yeah i'm still not sure of her motivations okay here's what i think remember how she like sort of vaguely at the end was like oh my daughter was taken away from me on her first communion yeah which i mean caused her to snap this many 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 years later how many first communions have happened in that church (laughs) since that happened i don't know but she's like my daughter was taken away from me i think that he killed her daughter that seems wow. Or but she killed a lot of other people too. I know, but all of the other ones were out of like my secret was about to come out whereas her murder of him felt more like that felt like the reason she was killing. Like she killed him, that was the resolution she was looking for. So I it, it definitely didn't feel like it was this question was answered in the story, but I don't know either he killed her daughter or he molested her daughter and caused her daughter to die by suicide. That could be. So something, because there was a reason, there had to have been a reason why they were having him like, why they kept showing that like weird, he he kept harassing and, and, you know, being all creepy toward Alice. Oh, let's not stop with him. Um, my one of my first notes yes. in the beginning of the movie. No, not that part. The oh. very beginning oh. of the movie, I wrote. Everyone seems really cool with Father Tom's obsession with Karen. Yeah, he's like into her. Oh, I made a note that like every one of Father Tom's relationships was suspect. I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on with this single mom. He's super friendly with. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going on with this, like. The one girl from the the first communion class who he invites over special to give yeah to give her special a cookies to I don't understand not the cookies he gave her 
a necklace, the cross. Oh, right. The cookies were not her gift, which she was really concerned about. It's like, <laughs> this isn't my gift, is it? <laughs> she, she, she definitely was the kind of, she was the favorite daughter and she knew it and she liked being the favorite daughter. Yeah. She wasn't very pleasant either. That was Alice's problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was Creepy Tom. Yeah. And then we've got this scene way later in the movie where my note is just pedophile cops. Oh, what? for sure. <laughs> like, they were... So Alice was accused of killing her sister because, spoilers, her sister gets burned to death during her first communion. Mm-hmm. So Alice is being accused and the one cop is, like, talking about how when he was putting the polygraph band around her chest... Like, that she was coming on to him. And Uh I'm like, uh, she's 12. Yeah. And also, I was watching, and no, she wasn't. (laughs) He could have asked her on the polygraph. (laughs) I mean, she was being creepy and weird. Always. But not in a coming on to him kind of a way. Just in a creepy, weird, maybe she murdered her sister kind of way. Which, the fact that he could look at that and think... (laughs) <laughs> she wants me. Like, dude. Yeah. Well, and then the cop he's talking to, I don't remember what he said, but he was just like, all right, you know. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, totally, kids these days. Yes, it's totally appropriate that you're talking about this 12-year-old's budding chest. Yeah, it was. Gross. It got weird. And I guess that's the 70s. Well, so that's the thing is when that scene happened, I was like repulsed by it. <laughs> And I cannot imagine, like, that wouldn't, the only time you would see a scene like that in a movie now was if if those guys were actually creepy pedophile cops. Yeah, like, they'd be the bad guys. Absolutely. There would be no throwaway, you know, funny, funny sexual talk about a 12-year-old happening on in a, in a movie or a TV show today. Yeah. But I'm like, we're just, this is just a thing? Like, this was just, haha, like... Here we are in this scary movie, and we're going to throw in some comedy relief. Like, yeah. it was so weird. So weird. It was. I mean, they put it in there for a reason, but I don't know what the reason is. It didn't feel like the reason was these cops are gross. Yeah, it really didn't. It sort of felt like the reason was, wow, see, isn't this girl a problem? <laughs> Yeah. Which is a huge problem to me. <laughs> That's a problem, for sure. <laughs> and speaking of how 70s this movie was, I could hardly watch the movie in the beginning. It it settled down later, but like the first 10 or 15 minutes of this movie, the editing and just the way they shot their shots it was like impossible to follow like they'd ha- they'd show somebody reacting like this this nun in church like the this fire was starting in the back of the church and they'd show this nun kind of looking and you're like oh is she looking at the fire i don't know because they've left you no way to tell <laughs> and she doesn't really react to it but it's kind of showing her and stuff would happen like in one shot and then not be there in the next shot and you're like what? no what no and it's so fast it was it was very strange. And while we were watching it, I was noticing the same thing. I was like, ugh, movies in the 70s mm-hmm. were just messed up. Like, why did they do this? And I kind of was thinking about it in terms of they didn't know any better. I'm like, oh, movies have progressed so much. And then we watched the evil twin to this movie, which we will talk about later, which is from 1965. 
and was so much better. It was completely different. So like, the 70s were just a black hole of <laughs> culture. Everything fell apart. Oh, it kind of gives right. me hope for the future because if it got that bad just in a brief moment, then maybe that's what's happening now and everything's going to be great in a few years. I hope. They'll be like the 2020s. Oh. I mean, so the the thing that gives me hope, sort of along that same vein, is the Dark Ages happened. Yeah, I think about that a lot. <laughs> and we made it through. And here we are. Mm-hmm. And we learned a bunch of stuff. And we created a bunch of art. And, and vaccines. And, and <laughs> like, it got better. It got better. But... Uh, then I think about it and I'm like, how long did the Dark Ages last? Is this it? it? Is this the rest of my life? Yeah, it it wasn't like 10 years. (laughs) I have hope for humanity, I guess. Yeah. I have less hope for these actual humans existing now. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, another, since we're making connections to the weirdness of the now and the weirdness of the 70s at one point alice's mom was talking to a therapist or somebody she was in some doctor's office and there was a big chalkboard on the wall and written in huge capital letters (laughs) covering the entire chalkboard were the three words polio shots today and i was like (laughs) yup you you just take them (laughs) It's just what you do. It's you're doing your part and you just do it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. The dark ages are coming. In other medical news from the past, and I guess it's what's happening today because there's no uh, hospital space anymore. Th- the last kill in the movie is the priest getting stabbed in the neck in church in front of everybody. Yeah. My note for that one is Father Tom took a gamble and lost big. <laughs> yeah. Because he was so sure. He told the cops. He's like, oh, no, no. She would never hurt me. I can get yeah. her to come with me peacefully. She did not come peacefully. No. And she stabs him. And everybody just watches him keel over and bleed out. And they're like, there's cops in there. For like five minutes. And nobody comes up and tries to do anything. Like, There's this line of put people. Put pressure. <laughs> There's this line of people like kneeling there waiting for their their communion. There's an entire church full of people just staring. Like they've all kind of stood up and are just like, what? Well, look at that. You don't get this every Sunday. Nope. That same nun, I think, who was staring at the girl on fire for yeah. five minutes, stands there and watches Father Tom bleed out. Yeah. I mean, maybe she was looking somewhere else. We don't know. Yeah, it was bizarre. There were a lot of those situations where something dramatic happened and it was like the decision was made that that to increase the drama, we had to stretch it out. Yeah. But it didn't show time slowing down in any way. Like there wasn't a <laughs> sound or a light anything. signal. It was just, yeah, everyone just stopped and nothing happened <laughs> for like five full seconds. Yeah. It was... It was very well, strange. Well, not nothing. There was a horrendous cacophony of musical instruments <laughs> slamming together, just like in Colombo. Yes. Um, it did happen often enough that at the end, when they did that very classic 70s freeze frame for the end of the movie, I didn't know for a significant period of time whether 
it was over or not. Like, is this yeah. the freeze frame or are we just waiting? <laughs> well, you got to let sit around till the credits come. Yeah, it was very strange. Ratings. This movie had the misfortune of being made in the 70s, I think. It did that for sure. I, I believe that the story itself is good. I know this story is good because I sort of liked it when we saw it as the bad seed. So that leaves me wondering, why did I not enjoy this movie? Because I really kind of didn't. And I think it was the 70s piece of it. I think that... Yeah, it was very noticeable. Yeah, I think I think that like everything from the music to the color schemes to the, <laughs> the filmography to everything was just annoying and jarring and you know it felt like the equivalent of looking at one of those like wild paisley shirts with all the too many colors like you're just staring at a paisley shirt for two hours yes where it's just like these colors don't go together this pattern doesn't make any sense like i feel like it was just an assault on my senses it felt like more than anything else yes so that that's not pleasant i don't i didn't enjoy that I kind of liked the acting of the girl who played Alice. There were other characters that I didn't dislike, but there were no likable characters at all. That's true. Like, none. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It just, it sort of left me kind of eh about it, which I guess means that I am going to give this movie two and a half jars of cockroaches out of five. Yeah. I definitely felt that same intense assault to my senses. I mean, like I was saying, especially at the beginning of the movie, it was so hard to watch. And then later, you know, when people would start getting killed, it would be all sorts of screeching and strings that were really loud and just real intense. And, not a, you know, movies can be intense in a good way, but this was just like, ah, don't make me look at this. So... That was a big thing. And then I kind of felt like the plot didn't really work. Like, I really liked the twist of this girl's creepy. And, like, at no point were they mistaken about that. She really was creepy and did weird things and had a shrine and a evil mask she wore. All of that was real, but she wasn't the one killing. That was cool, except Mm -hmm. that I feel like the lady who was killing was kind of out of the blue. Like, she was a character, so... We got to know her, but I don't know. I didn't feel like there was something clear from the beginning that connected her. Well, it's one of those things where suddenly in the last 15 minutes of the movie, we learn she has a daughter who died. And I'm like, yeah. okay, really? Yeah, we could have like, po- had that on. at the beginning so you could be like, oh, wait, maybe it's about that. Yes. Something like that. It yes. was It was weird and not that well done because of that. So for me, I'm going to give this... Just so they don't get loose, two jars of cockroaches. I don't want them getting out of there. Okay. The Evil Twins. For Alice Sweet Alice is Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. From 1965. Yes. So uh, how did you end up picking this as the Evil Twin? You know, a little searching on names. I looked for other movies with Alice in the title. Not a lot of those. I, I almost went with something called Malice, 
<laughs> that wouldn't have had sweetness in it. So yeah. then I stumbled across this and I was like, that is Alice, sweet Alice. Hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. Come on. Yeah. You the can't sweet, get better the than names, that. The repetition. That's good. It's good. Yeah. I like it. It's, it's primo. Also, I think this is the title with the most punctuation we've had. It's got <laughs> commas. It's got an ellipsis. It's everything. Everything wow. you want in a title. Everything. You no want. underscores, but you don't want those. So that's fine. You know, fine. back in the 60s, they were just more, they were more free, free <laughs> with their punctuation. Yeah. So it was interesting for me to hear you mention or, you know, bring this movie up because before we started recording this month's uh, movies, I was visiting with my family and it came up that we do this thing every year and, you know, mm-hmm. we were people were talking about horror movies because anytime this comes up, then immediately everyone has to tell me how they don't like horror movies. I know. Why does everyone say that when they're so awesome? Also, they say that, and the one person that was telling me that he didn't like horror movies was like, you know, he didn't like Saw 3 or something like that. And I'm (laughs) like, okay, well, there are so many other kinds of horror movies, and the Saw movies are a very specific (laughs) niche of horror movies. That's going pretty far. Yeah, but he... And my mom's husband both mentioned Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. They are both older gentlemen. (laughs) They are both aficionados of black and white movies. So, you know, it was like I kind of knew, oh, okay, if these guys both liked this movie, then I sort of knew what I was getting into. Yeah. Legally, it is not a horror movie. It was called Crime Mystery Thriller. Yes. It surprised me with some horror elements, though. It definitely was. <laughs> I feel like it was more horror even than Alice Sweet Alice was. It, that's that's reasonable. Like, that was definitely a crime thriller. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe not more because cause I was thinking of, you know, how the guy's hand and his head get chopped off and <laughs> there's sort of like the ghostly element. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of suggested ghosts like yes things that might be ghosts and, and Which that's course, feeling yeah too. yeah so we're not supposed to do spoilers for the evil twins so i don't want to say too much about it yeah what i do want to say about that movie though is that that story was probably one of the tightest like well plotted out stories that we've seen so far this year yeah I think what this movie was, was like a Southern Gothic drama. It was one of those things about a big family and a lot of characters and how they all interweave and the issues they have with each other. You know, like, I mean, maybe it's not a big family, but... I mean, it's not big in terms of Southern families. (laughs) No, it's not. But it it did have the Gothic elements of the old house. And it felt very much like it was full of ghosts, even though... It may or may not have been. Right, right. Yes, <laughs> that is what I should no, say. I think Southern Gothic is a very good um, description of it because it had that kind of per- parent-child relationship that tends to come into those Southern or those yeah. Gothic stories, particularly a child who's messed up because of a departed parent who had like weird control over them. Yeah, it had that, like you mentioned, it had the family house. And arguing um, over the will, of course. Yep, yep. And just, I mean, anything Southern, <laughs> there's just sort of an air of ghostliness around Southern things, just because so many yeah. horrific things have been done on Southern plantations. Indeed. 
And some of those were definitely hinted, some of those things were definitely hinted at in this movie. Like, this movie, just like this, the Alice Sweet Alice had, like, weird sexualization of children that was sort of, this is the 70s. (laughs) Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte had overt racism that was not, like, racism is bad. It was just, like, these were people and this was how they behaved. Yeah. It was totally okay. I kept thinking about how actors, I mean, this was the 60s, so maybe less so, but how black actors, you know, weren't allowed to be in the same spaces as the white actors, and they'd, like, come on and do their part and then disappear. And It was very noticeable, and they were very specific characters. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And... Um, there was no black lawyer in this movie. No, no, there was not. Yeah, it was it was very noticeable. There's a thing that happens in stories where that callback piece, where there's something that happens early on, and then it becomes relevant later. And there are there are a couple of different ways that stories do that. Either they completely fly right by it at the beginning, and then they act like it's some big deal at the end, and you're like. No, <laughs> doesn't no, count. That's not how that works. Or they make this huge deal out of it at the beginning, so you're all like, "Oh, well, that gun is definitely going to shoot somebody in Act Three, right?" Yeah. You know, we always joke about Chekhov's whatever when it's so <laughs> obvious that it's going to be the thing, right? And then there's the one where it's a thing that is woven into the story so well that it's there. It's clearly something important, but you don't realize how important until it comes back. And then you're like, oh, yes. And that was me in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It was it was a good use of a thing because you go, oh, this is, this is the perfect situation. <laughs> and I saw it coming a little bit before it happened, but not from the beginning. Like, yeah. I there was nothing about it in the beginning that made me go, oh, that's going to be a thing. Yeah, it was just part of that scene that happened. You know, the thing that was bothering me with this movie, and it's this is stories from the '60s as opposed to today. They're a lot simpler. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, simple isn't even the word because this was a complicated plot. But specifically, the issue was that the evil plot in this movie required the victim of the evil plot to react exactly the way they needed them to at every step. And Mm. their whole plan relied on it, and it had to work that way. Mm -hmm. And that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that's that took me out of it, was like, this is an unbelievable plot. Like, you can't do this. But you see that a lot in in horror from that time period. Like, black and white horror tends to have a lot of that. Like, it makes me think of Dial M for Murder, mm. which is one of my favorite movies. Yes. I just, there's so much I love about that movie. But it has, it's that same thing where it's like, okay, like, it's almost like they're employing neuro-linguistic programming. Yes. But that's not the thing. It's just that it's just written so, so coincidentally, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Everything just falls into place. Right. It's like what happens in leverage only it doesn't, they don't explain how they got it to happen. (laughs) Yeah. In leverage, leverage is just as ridiculous. So I shouldn't complain, but it's that, that same kind of thing where. But at least in leverage, they're like, oh, see, and I said this word a bunch of times while I touched his arm. So yes. now he does this thing. Like they they acknowledge that that's what's happening. Whereas yeah. these black and white like thrillers, 
They don't yeah. acknowledge. They're just like, we really needed someone to stab. She really needs to stab him with the scissors. So that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like, I mean, to give an idea of what this sort of thing is, it's like that. Like if they have a person in a sheet come into the room so the victim thinks it's a ghost and there's a pair of scissors on the bedside table and their whole plan is to get the person to stab the sheet person so that they die because secretly they wanted them to kill that guy. Right. And like, that's just because the scissors are there. That's right. what happens. Like, no, right. that, that would never happen. So another aspect of this movie where I was comparing it to Alice Sweet Alice and I'm like it made it Alice Sweet Alice that much more disappointing <laughs> was that there was still overly melodramatic acting in this yes there was and there were still a couple of times where something dramatic happened and everyone just <laughs> did this like extended frozen gasp kind yes. of reaction where I'm like somebody do something <laughs> There are a lot of really screechy screams of just like, ah, for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like when the, when the news reporter shows up and like bangs on the door, she opens the door and he's using his old timey camera, which can take like one picture every 12 <laughs> seconds. And he gets, I don't know, six shots while she stands there with her hands against her face I know, screaming. It's so horrifying that this guy's there taking pictures. And he's just like, uh, and another one, and another one. Uh, okay, just one more. And I'm like, slam the door in his face. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, she was very traumatized. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of that, but they also like committed. To these roles. Mm -hmm. Betty Davis, like you hear Betty Davis mentioned all the time. I don't know her that well. I don't watch a lot of black and white movies. I tend to find them not that interesting because the mm -hmm. stories are pretty simple. So I have not seen a lot of Betty Davis movies. She was amazing in this movie. She really went for it. And Agnes Moorhead, who played the housekeeper, <laughs> was, oh, brilliant like i mean was she brilliant because it was really funny but i don't know no okay there was the, the intent there were funny parts like she was just so over it right like she was it was really extreme it was awesome it was very extreme there were times where it was like so extreme that it was humorous but when the cousin showed up there was this tension between the cousin and the housekeeper, and she, the housekeeper's like leaning against the pillar, and she's like got her foot up, and she just had this everything about her body language gave me the information. Like it didn't mm -hmm. give anything away, but it shared with me the information that this housekeeper knows something that we don't know she knows. Yeah. And the cousin knows the housekeeper knows, but neither of them acknowledged it. It was all done in body language. It was. Mm. Mwah. Chef's Kiss, brilliant. I loved it. This is like a great movie. Wow. And how would you rate this movie? I'm going to give this movie five bouquets out of five. That is so many bouquets. Yeah, it was everything that I like. It probably wasn't really a horror movie, but also that makes it even better for me. So yeah, yeah I think people should watch this movie. I loved it. It's definitely now going to be one of the ones that when people ask me, Ooh, oh. what should I, I don't really like horror. What do you think I should watch? <laughs> this is going to be one of the ones I pull out and we like mean, watch this movie. Cause it's a crime mystery thriller. Whatevs. Um, yeah. The, uh, the horror towards the beginning, a guy's hand gets chopped off. Like 
you're thinking like Psycho, where it's not on screen. No, no. just chops it right, right off. We camera. see all the insides and everything, just like in a <laughs> 2020 movie. It was crazy, and blood spurting on the walls. Like, wow, I did not know they did this in the 60s. It's always funny, though. That's the thing. We have this idea, like, people were so much milder and uh-huh. innocent and less sexual and all of those things. And it's like, yeah, no, they weren't. No. That was weird. We just don't like thinking about our grandparents (laughs) acting that way. Well, I'm not one to watch these black and white slowies. So (laughs) this was not so much for me, but it was engaging and I enjoyed it. So I will give it three and a half bouquets out of five. So it's not bad, but it's not for me. All right. Once again, we find the uh, evil twin beating out the original. Oh, in this case, the evil twin was infinitely better. Yeah, I think that's an easy win. Yeah. So now that we're moving on from these sweet young things, what is up next? Well, it's another batch of sweet young things as we head into Girl House from 2014, which might get a little dirty. It's about a webcam kind of house. And now here's the tricky bit. The evil twin for that movie, yeah, obviously, as we all know, is the film His House from 2020. Well, that makes sense. Perfect sense. Problem is, that is another movie MovieBot picked for us. Oh. So we are not going to talk about it tomorrow or even watch it tomorrow. We're going to watch it uh, like a week from now. So that'll okay. be coming up later. And when it comes up, we aren't going to talk about an evil twin for that because this is the evil twin. Mind blown. Girl House, His House. Got it. I'll be back tomorrow. I will too. See you there. Okay. Bye. Squirrel. OMG, Jean-Luc Picard wore a red uniform. What the heck?